BAM Radio Network. Yeah, too often I think families wait too long before they start looking to what those options are beyond uh, what may be their, your current schooling um, or services that are being provided. Transition is something that's really hard to think about when your kid's in second grade or your kid's, you know, in preschool. But if you start going to this transition fair really early and you see which agencies are there, you're also looking at that continuity. Welcome to Learning Differently Radio, where you'll hear the voices of passionate people making learning accessible and amazing for all. Special thanks to our friends at School Health Special Education who make this show possible. I'm your host, Sharon Plant. Let's jump on in. One of the key topics in the field of special education is that transition process. Uh, so often, we parents focus in on getting their children the services they need to get them going through, but that idea that when they're moving beyond schooling, what skills need to be taught, what accommodations need to be considered, and what resources need to be sought out to make the transition for any student successful it is a very key concern and area we need to focus on. This week, I welcome Tanya Taylor and Jody Clicks. Welcome. One of those key areas we, we, I know we kind of pre-talked about, which is that transition process. Can you guys really talk about that? You guys have so much experience in seeing that and experiencing that with uh, those that you work with. Can you kind of touch base with each of you with, with the areas that you do? I'll start with you, Tanya. Um, I think for us, the transition piece encompasses many things. Um, just a little background with us in particular, we focus on students who have been unsuccessful in a traditional school setting. And so when they come to us, they're already involved in the transition process. And we're very intentional about making sure that our students are engaged in their own transition process from pretty much the moment they enroll until they move on. And that's a pretty accurate case for most students who are entering a traditional high school setting as well, that transition is such a part of their plan and their, that they're planning for those things. Even if post-secondary ed is not part of um, their plan, we're also very focused on career readiness and making sure that they can enter the workforce with a high-wage-paying job and have sustainable skills that allow them to work independently and be independent in their own community. And Jody, what are you kind of seeing with where you're working and adding on to that? We do a lot with the transition in through vocational rehabilitation services, making sure the students are mm-hmm. set up to be successful in a work setting, to be successful in a college setting, to have those accommodations that they've had in high school also be in place when they move on. And um, that can include things like their assistive technology. It can include um, behavior services, anything that they would need. And then in the past, I've worked as a life skills teacher. And so that transition involved a lot more services. We were also looking at healthcare, um, residential services, if they were going to need supports in the home, um, as well as then moving into a career or a supported employment environment. So it's a, there's a wide spectrum of things that we have to focus on in that transition process, but there's a lot of things that are, that are the same for all students across all disabilities. What I think is so remarkable for listening to you both kind of talk about that process, there's really so many aspects to it that you're really pulling in many areas that uh, some of us just deal with parts of. How do you make that work, and how does that process really flow for the, for the students, for you, for you guys as the professionals, for those families? How can that work so easily, or what are the challenges that you face? I think one of the biggest challenges and ways that it's successful is really understanding what service providers are available for families and for um, school staff to access. There is a lot of times um, school staff and families aren't even aware of what services they may be able to use or um, enroll for, look up for. And so I really see the teacher, the special education teacher and staff being sort of a conduit for helping connect 
families to those resources and also using the other staff and the personnel in the building who are skilled in those areas to help bridge those gaps between the families and just really communicating what their needs are and trying to connect them with the right resources as early as possible. And I'd say the same thing, and then it's reaching out to those community providers. And even if you only know about one or two community providers, Mm -hmm. I find that they also know about each other, and they're willing to share that information. It's not so much a competition of we want this individual to come to our service. They'll tell you which services are out there. Um, They'll help lead you to the right people because that's what they do. Um, Voc Rehab is instrumental in that. Agencies Mm -hmm. like the ARC are good places to reach out for just to figure out where to even get started. And then teachers is talking to other teachers from other school districts, other parts of the state, and then meeting with parents. And I would set up visits with my parents, especially for things like residential programming, um, for adult services like a sheltered workshop or day services. You want those families to go visit it. You want the student to visit and spend time there to see if that's the right setting. And so it's visiting all those places, seeing what's different, what each one wants, and coming up with that checklist of what are your must-have needs, what accommodations do you have to have, And that can be in place for the career or for college or for adult services of what you're looking for in a service provider. And then you base things off and start narrowing down and finding programs that fit what you have to have and then go from there. That's really just amazing to listen to that all the steps that you need to consider. I really love how you guys consider, you know, really bringing the students into that concept, which is wonderful. I think many of us, you know, have to think about that, particularly as you're dealing with kids who are moving on beyond those high school ages, that they, they can have a voice and they can have a say um, to doing that and balancing that with, yes, the family's needs and, and those needs. I think that's really crucial. How, besides just your local community, how do you help, how can others find those resources if they're elsewhere, you know, not in your immediate communities? Where, where can they go look for those? Um, a good resource that I've always recommended to people is something like the ARC. Um, any of those type of programs, Easter Seals is nationwide. They also are good resources. Any of the autism society, parent advocacy groups that are in your community, um, most states have something with their state board of education special ed. There's something on their website that deals with transition. In Indiana, we have the Indiana Institute on Disability and Community that's at IU, and their website has resources that's available across the country and just places to get started. So that's always a great website to check. And just even just Googling transition services, you come up with a lot of things. Um, OCALI, which is the Ohio Center for Autism and Low Incidence in Ohio, has great information for transitioning that's applicable to every state and every student across all disability areas. So those are good places to start searching. Mm-hmm. And I would encourage families and staff. We um, often see, particularly in Indiana, and I know that they happen in other states as well, is a lot of school corporations or cooperatives will host transition fairs for families and for staff. And um, typically when those happen, many service providers are pulled into one area at one time, one place, and it gives Mm -hmm. families a really nice place to start just having conversations and making connections with service providers. And we've encouraged our own um, families here to start attending those transition fairs as early as possible with your students and start gathering information, those are nice because they're all in one place at one time. So you really have the opportunity to meet and talk with a lot of different um, providers. And just to follow up on that, something I used to tell younger students' parents, because they'll say transition is something that's really hard to think about when your kid's in second grade or your kid's you know, in preschool. But if you start going to this transition fair really early and you see which agencies are there, you're also looking at that continuity. Is the same agency there every year, or is it someone that's new to business? 
You know, do they have the same staff? Do they have the same director? And that's something you want to kind of look for early on because you don't want to get to the senior year and you have no idea if this program has any stability mm-hmm. and if there's a staff turnover rate. So even just if you're looking at those kind of things and you're already keeping your ear out for, okay, this agency looked kind of interesting when I saw them in a transition fair. So in the back of your mind for the next 10 years, you're looking for new stories about that. You're following what that agency is doing so that you have a little bit more knowledge when you get ready to make those decisions later. It's just background knowledge. They can also apply a lot to what, what you're deciding with that program. It's a really great suggestion. Yeah, too often I think families wait too long before they start looking to what those options are uh, beyond uh, what may be their, your current schooling um, or services that are being provided. And you guys yourselves have created your own resource through uh, the weekly twi- Twitter chat, SPED chat. Uh, can you share with people um, kind of really how it got started, a little bit more about what you talk about when it is so they know to tune in to uh, that chat? Um, absolutely. So we started um, formally doing a SPED chat in August, I think. Is that correct, Jody? I, I think so. And we, um, we've just seen tremendous growth since then in the um, amount of people who've been participating every week. It's at 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on Tuesday night. We have a different topic every week, and we really try to focus on things that are really relevant to the special education field, but also that carry over into many different um, parts of the educational realm so that as many people as possible can get involved in that conversation. We've been really fortunate with the response, and we've had really good um, people joining us to co-moderate those chats as well, and um, really having good topics around behavior and transition and um, how to, just all the way through how to have good communication with parents um, and inclusion and co-teaching, just some big topics in special ed to continue those conversations and build a professional learning network. And we encourage teachers, parents, general ed teachers, administrators, therapists to join in. And so it's a very diverse network of professionals and experts because the parents are the experts on their kids. Each of us have something we bring to that chat that's our background and our expertise. And so it's really fun to join these chats and just be able to brainstorm off each other. And I think we all walk away with at least something from every chat that we want to try and implement or some great idea we saw that, you know, it's, it's something that seems really obvious once you hear it, but someone that's been in the field and doing it for a while brings it up and it's like, oh, why didn't I think of that? And so I, I really feel like everyone that participates walks away with something like that from every chat each week. So it's great. And then the more people we pull in and the more people interested in special ed, whether they are a special ed teacher or not, the better the chats will be and the more information we can get out there. I think that's great. I'm always following the archives after the chats. And there is really some great information and some great topics that you guys are bringing in because it is such a broad spectrum of of people coming in and broad topics. And I think you guys do a really great job uh, with that. And I do hope more people join in or if they can't join in at that point, still do follow the information um, that you guys provide out and the other participants provide out because we can all learn something new. And and I think we all together bring that voice to really just making it better for, for the students that we work with. So Tanya Taylor and Jody Click, I so appreciate you taking the time to share the information with us. I do hope people tune in to SPED Chat at 9 p.m. on Tuesdays to bring their voice or take something away to bring back to just making learning better for all those who learn differently. Thanks for joining in this week, and we hope to join in next time. This program is produced by Accretive Media for the BAM Radio Network. Thanks for listening.